All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 222. Andrew Wiggins is a starter in the All Star game. The comeback kids, the Clippers, come back from 35 against Washington. We're going to break down that game. And Drew is going to give you the state of the Brooklyn Nets. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast, episode 222. The all-star votes are in for the starters, and I am shocked, Drew. We got Andrew Wiggins starting in the all-star game. Not one Phoenix Sun in the, uh, you know, the leading team in the NBA, Booker, no CP. But no, Andrew Wiggins gets that start. And then it came out today, Drew, that... It was it was because of this K-pop. I don't even know what K-pop is. Does that mean Korean pop? Is that what I it believe? Means? I believe that's what it stands for. Yes, and and that's like musical. That's like musical stuff. Like it's a it's a genre or what? Yeah, they have a couple groups that are pretty big. Both both male and female groups that are pretty massive. So this this guy named Bam Bam, uh, it was be- it, he he made a tweet or something that became Thailand's number one trending topic. And generated enough buzz to boost Wiggins across the finish line. He made a tweet. I guess he's a Golden State Warriors fan that got everybody to vote for Wiggins. So Wiggins gets the vote to start in the All Star game. Now look, wow. I know, right? Well, I guess get it, get in where you fit in, bro. If you got a fan like that, it's it's a good thing. It's like if I'm, I'm sure if Kardashian tweeted, "Yo, Tristan Thompson should be an NBA All Star," they'd go out and vote for Tristan Thompson. Shit. Yeah, the Kardashians uh, aren't tweeting that anytime soon. <laughs> no, no, t- you get what I'm saying though. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, look, I'm not mad at Andrew Wiggins being a starter. I mean, he's on both of our teams, no matter what. I mean, we had him in the All Star game. I just really think that you know Booker, Luca, CP were more deserving. There, I mean, if you look at the numbers of of some of these other guys like Luca and like Booker and you know, what's number one team in the NBA, Phoenix Suns. So what's your thoughts on, on Wiggins getting that starting spot? Well, I mean, it just shows the power of K-pop. I mean, that's really what, that's the world that we're living in right now. It's like, if, if uh, any K-pop group or superstar wants anything to happen and they have access to some sort of voting mechanism, they can, they can, they could get, you know, Trump reelected. I think, you know, they, they, they the, the power of, the K-pop influence. I was over here thinking that it was the Bay Area and and Canada that were really putting in the votes for Wiggins. No, it's Thailand. It's the Eastern Seaboard over that way. The the, the all the K-pop fans. I just so yeah. I don't think it was deserving. And I think this is really one of the few times that I can remember. And and maybe I'm misremembering or forgetting one or two. But this is one of the few times where I really don't think he deserves to be on there. Like most of the time, the starting lineup you could make like a really solid case. For even though the fan vote influenced the starting lineup, it still works pretty good, right? Um, and I definitely think that Wiggins is not—he's he should not be starting. I, for me, he was on the borderline whether or not he should actually even be an All Star. You know what I'm saying? Because his numbers are only 18 points, four rebounds, or yeah, four rebounds, two assists per night. You know, I just I don't see that being better than Booker, being better than Luca. Uh, you know, Chris Paul, Luca. And yeah, I think the unfortunate part for those guys and the reason that they're not in there is because the, the all-star voting is still divided into front court and back court. 
And I think that was the big determining factor, right? Like, cause Steph and Ja both deserve the, the, the guards position. Um, and, and because Luca, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, all of those guys are only qualified for those two slots. That's why it wasn't going to be able to work. And, and that's, that's truly what I believe because I think, Luca, Devin Booker, CP, all those guys deserve it significantly more. But when you look at the front court, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and then it's like Draymond Green. That's that's who I would have voted for. Paul George can't, you know, he can't play, so it doesn't make sense for him to be out there. Rudy Gobert, we already have a center, not going to do that. Carl Anthony Towns, same thing. Yeah, but and even they, with even with Gobert, the numbers are crazy. Like they're way better. Sixteen numbers and than fifteen, yeah, right. exactly. And then, you know, you have Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, and DeAndre Ayton. Like, none of those guys deserve it more than Wiggins, mm. right? It's like, I think that's the thing. It's like it, we were handcuffed, not we, but the voters were handcuffed by that, that like, determination that Wiggins is not a guard, that Wiggins is a forward, and that Luka is not a forward. Luka is a guard. You know what I'm saying? And I think mm. that's the weird part about – like, what are we trying to do with this? What are we trying to do with this voting thing? I, I know it's fun. You want the fan engagement. But when this happens and he's clearly not better than a lot of other guys that are going to be sitting on the bench and not playing for the first couple of minutes, uh, it's just a weird result. And, I and think does it really matter? I know we brought it up right. on, the other, on the other show. Like, does it really matter if you're a starter or not? Don't you just want to be on the all-star team? I don't think you I don't think you get an extra check if you're I think that your, your checks the same or your bonus is the same whether you make an all-star team or you're a starter or not again this isn't hating on Andrew Wiggins it's just like yo why does Phoenix not get the love they are the number and Booker is notoriously never getting love for all-star game or all-star game selections and whatnot but it should account for something you know being in the starting line he, I mean he will be an all-star right and Chris Paul will most likely be an all-star but, yeah. but also- I mean the, the the point of the all-star game is to have the best 10 players for that season on the court together. And that, that I think that's the thing that I'm pushing against. While I agree that it doesn't necessarily matter who starts in the grand scheme of things, the point of having the all-star game is you get these best five players and these best five players going head to head on the court. And it should be made up of the 10 best players <laughs> uh, for that season of which Wiggins is not in the top 10. He's, he's an all-star and I I'm fine with him being on the team. But I think that's just the point that I'm making. While it doesn't necessarily matter, it's more of a, you know, semantics sort of thing. The the idea behind the entirety of the All-Star game is having 10 best players on the court. And we're not going to have that to start the game. Right. And the other thing is, is like I saw today that even Ben Simmons and and uh, John Wall both got player votes. Right. And it pissed me off, Drew. It made me upset because I'm like. Who's the dumbasses that thought it would be funny to vote for these two that haven't played one game? And you had said that it's probably Ben Simmons and John Wall that are voting for themselves. I don't think that they would do that. Voting for each other, not voting, voting for themselves. Oh, voting for each other. Okay. Voting for each other. But like that, those, those, even though they're two votes, it takes away from people that are actually deserving. Like, yo, your job as a player is to vote for the best players. It just pissed me off that somebody found that like funny enough to do that. And it was like, now we have NBA players trolling like the all-star voting process. And it's lame to me. Well, I mean, it's, but it's only one vote. <laughs> so it does, you know, it's, it was only one vote and it did, obviously didn't impact anything. And I think, I think my, my theory about it being <laughs> those two guys, I mean, they were working out together all summer. So they're both clutch clients. And I just, I have to imagine that they have some similar th- feelings about what is happening this year for, for both of them. Um, I don't have a problem with the player vote 
if all it's going to result in is randomly one vote for John Wall and one one vote for Ben Simmons, I have a problem with the fan vote when we're when this is the type of influence that it has. And I mean, look, it, it, since it was introduced, like I, I remember back when Yao Ming was, you know, the all star voter, he was always number one, right? Because the power of the Chinese <laughs> population, they just voted Yao Ming number one, even though he was definitely not the best player, uh, you know, in the NBA at that time. So I, I understand why they use it as a mechanism. It's great for all the things that all-star weekend is about It's about publicity and it's about, you know, dollar signs really. So I, I get it. And I understand that it's good to have the fan vote in there. I just don't, I think there should be like an overrule. <laughs> maybe, yes. maybe, maybe there's like, just give, give them a veto power. Like you get nine out of 10, like everyone, everything else was fine. We're just going to sub Wiggins out for Devin Booker. Yeah. And then like seeing what can happen <laughs> with K-pop. Yeah. Seeing what can happen with dudes that K-pop or whatever, however you want to call it. Like, why wouldn't it stop NBA players from like, yo, let's, I, let, let's get some YouTubers to shill for me. You know what I mean? How do let's, let's get some influencer marketing going like we do for businesses and whatnot. So anyways, I just found I, it, it pissed me off and little things like this really pissed me off right now. So I'm not mad that Andrew's starting. Uh, I just don't think he should be there. And I think you feel the same way. I think he should be an all-star. Uh, I still, still think Draymond should be an all-star, but he's hurt right now. He probably can't play in the game. Uh, I don't think KD is going to be playing in the game. Obviously, Paul George isn't going to be playing in the game. So um, it's, it should be interesting. But that that was kind of the news from yesterday. Um, what's going on with your Lakers, bro? I saw I looked at the standings today. Saw you guys down at the nine spot before we get into the Clippers and, and the comeback kids. I want to talk about your your take this week. Your boy AD's back. He went down with a, another catastrophic wrist injury really quick the other night. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, dude. No way. But he came out and balled out. Hell of a game. Well, yeah. So we Anthony Davis is back, which is nice, right? That's that's the bright side of things. Uh, and the Lakers had a pretty solid performance against Brooklyn, uh, coming off of a loss to Miami, which you know we only lost by six points, but the game was not that close. We did end up beating Orlando before that, which is nice. We are in the midst of a six-game road trip right now, so it was really it was really great to see Anthony Davis in a jersey on the floor. Um, for that Brooklyn game, we took care of business against the Brooklyn team that didn't have Kyrie because it was being played at home and it didn't have Kevin Durant because he's injured. Um, so James Harden was the, was the show. And, you know, sometimes when that happens, he gets some contributions from Patty Mills. And in this game, that just didn't happen for the Nets. So we actually, we looked pretty good and, and well in control, uh, which is surprising, but Anthony Davis, (laughs) in his return did not have a great game. He was, you know, had eight points. He played 25 minutes, eight points, two rebounds, two assists. And it took a long time for him to get that first rebound. Uh, He did have four blocks, which was great to see. Uh, And, you know, jumper still looking a little, a little suspect, but really great to see him out there and a, and a solid win for the Lakers, even though it was against a a team that we should have probably beat by 30 uh, given the circumstances. But then, we have this Philadelphia 76ers game and LeBron has left knee soreness. So, you know, we get one guy back and it looks like a one guy might be out, which has been the story for us this whole season, uh, minus Russell Westbrook, who has played in every single game that the Lakers have been a part of uh, this year. Uh, so in a game where LeBron would have been definitely impactful and game changing, 
against this Philadelphia 76ers team, we get trounced. I mean, we lost by 18 points and it was not close in the second half. But Anthony Davis looked like old Anthony Davis for a while, including the fact that he was getting banged up and <laughs> Joel Embiid was trying to knock him on his ass as many times as he possibly could. And he hurt his wrist and, but he taped it up and he got out there and was still, still doing his thing. I mean, that game for him was a really, really great positive sign. Again, even though we only scored 87 points in that game as a team, he had 31 uh, of those points, 12 boards, uh, and again, four blocks, 14 of 21 from the field, uh, only took one three, which is like, that's a win. God, only right? one three. Cause he airballed that he airballed that one. And that was not pretty, um, but really just really solid game. And I think he showed up much better against Embiid in that game than I would have ever expected. I mean, and, and to be fair, I think Embiid had a, you know, not his best game, but I, I think Anthony Davis outplayed him, which is the last thing I thought was going to happen because Embiid has been on a tear. Uh, but the truth of the matter is in the second half, Embiid probably could have put his foot down and demanded the ball and scored a lot more than he did, but they didn't need to because they were winning. So the big thing is like, okay, how, how bad is this knee thing for LeBron, right? Like that's the biggest story now that we have Anthony Davis back, he looks great. Uh, the, the rest of the team was absolute garbage <laughs> against Philadelphia. Um, so it's like, all right, what are what are we looking at for LeBron? We have Charlotte tonight. Um, I believe we play them in a couple hours here. Uh, we don't know if LeBron's going to be available for that game. And if it's an extended absence, then there is nothing to report other than this is probably what we're going to be dealing with. Again, just like when we had Anthony Davis out. Um, and that's the unfortunate part is like, we just want them on the floor, right? Can Can we just get these guys on the floor together? And I just don't know if that's going to happen. So we'll see what happens with LeBron's knee, uh, which is really unfortunate timing. As I mentioned, you know, in the previous podcast, this guy LeBron is on another level right now as far as scoring. And uh, honestly, his defense has been a little bit better at times, but he is just in a zone that I haven't seen out of him offensively from a jump shooting perspective in a long time, maybe ever. I, I don't know if I've ever seen him shoot the ball this well. So I'm fingers crossed that this is just something that maybe he takes off that that one game against Philly and maybe he's back tonight or maybe he takes both of these games off and, and next week he's back and ready to go. I don't know, but God, it, it's like every time we can see a light at the tunnel, that tunnel just gets a little bit longer and we that light is a little bit further away. So that's how it feels right now. But outside of Anthony Davis's return, it, it's still the same problem. We just need other guys to step up like. Avery Bradley, <laughs> Malik Monk, who is who is good. I think I still think he's one of our best players, and I love when he's out there on the court. But like all of these other role players, gotta step up. They gotta start making open shots. And the difference in that Philadelphia game was like they had twice as many threes made as we did, and we took just as many as they did. And that's mm -hmm. really like almost the exact score difference was like the six made threes that Philly had over us, and we're getting open shots. These are not contested shots. THT, you know, Bazemore even got in the game because it was such a shitty performance last night for the Lakers. Like, it's just if we can get Ellington and and anybody, Reeves, who was 
fucking just brick, just bricking everything last night. What do you think LeBron was saying to Re- to Reeves in that one scene? I know you sent it to me. Do yeah. you think he was completely confused? Because you know LeBron is a savant, right? And not there's nobody that's really on this guy's level when he talks about games or situations and whatnot. But Austin Reeves looked so shook what he was saying. He was either it was either the look of like, yo, get the fuck out of here, dude. You don't you don't know what you're talking about, or like, yo, I am so confused with what you just said right now. I think that's the, the, I tried to read LeBron's lips. I watched the clip like 35 times. Cause I'm like, what is LeBron saying? Right. So, cause I, you can see it, he's pointing and there's something about a rotation or a swing or where he wants to move when something happens uh, mm-hmm. on the offensive end. And uh, the one thing that you got to say about Austin Reeves is I think he's got a pretty good handle mentally on the game of basketball, right? Like he, he athletically, he probably is a step below a lot of the NBA players, but mentally that's probably what got him into the NBA, right? Just his feel for the game and his passing obviously shows that as well. So I think my initial reaction was Austin Reeves going, LeBron has no idea what he was talking about in that, in that moment, like, or like just a complete disconnect from like what re, like what LeBron is saying and what Austin Reeves is seeing out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would love, I would love to hear what exactly LeBron uh, came out and said. I think the funny part about that was when I sent that clip to you, I said Austin Reeves is about to get traded, right? Because <laughs> anyone that makes LeBron, especially a rookie, that makes LeBron look bad in some capacity, like LeBron doesn't know what he's talking about, in history usually marks it like, okay, how much time do we have left to trade Austin Reeves? We have until February 10th. Um, let's round him up. Let's include him and THT and none in a pack. Remember that funny? Out. Remember that funny joke you see on IG where it's like, I went to Starbucks and I ordered. I said, can I get a large coffee? And they took me out back and shot me in the leg. That's kind of like, that's kind of like, like making fun of LeBron on camera. And then next thing you know, like you've been shipped out to Croatia and you're playing there, Austin Reeves. So you better watch what you're doing. I thought the meme's going to be great for all that, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the good news about like whether or not Reeves will be traded was LeBron decided to kind of laugh about it as opposed to like being upset. Right. Uh, which is great. But we'll see. I mean, if Austin Reeves is still, I would love, I, we need Austin Reeves on the team. So I would really love to keep him. Uh, and and I think maybe now he'll just be a little bit less um, reactive uh, to to things that LeBron says moving forward. Well, at least your team doesn't give you a heart attack every every other night, right? I mean, come on. What are you talking about? No, a Anthony legit Davis, heart attack. I mean, Drew. I haven't had a heart attack in the, the 20 games because Anthony Davis hasn't been on the floor. But he's back. I, again, Clips. And I did. I had a, I had a palpitation with that wrist problem. And he fell down a couple times. I yes, my heart is very weak. I need I need something something here. So I know what you're talking about. Man, I just want to talk about my boys for a second. The comeback clips. Okay. These guys, I there's not enough I could say about these guys. And I do have a lot I want to say, but these past like two weeks, these comebacks, especially the game against Washington, uh, I went on on Kennard's page because Luke had posted something and I went on there and I'm like, yo, um, third best moment in Clipper history. And that's kind of sad, right? When you say it like that, (laughs) it's kind of sad, but it really was, man, this game drew like, you know, anybody that listens to the show knows that I know when Clipper games are over and I could tell when Clipper games are over in the first, in the first five minutes. Right. And I'm not bullshitting you, Drew. That was the ugliest first half of basketball I'd ever seen the Clippers play. It was absolutely disgusting. We were down like 25 in the first, right? And I had every, I just, I, I, I turned it down, put it on mute and I kept doing my work on the computer right here. Um, but then slowly, like it got to 20 and then I noticed everybody's benched and then I'm seeing who's out there. And then it's, then it's 15 and then we get into the fourth and Luke's hitting 
And even when we got it to seven with 11 seconds left, right? I mean, I was hyped. And I'm like, yo, even when we lose this game, because there's pretty much mathematically, you know, seven points in 11 seconds, it's probably not going to happen. I was stoked. I was happy. Like, you know, we did a really good job. We fought. We came back. Um, I loved the move that Ty Lue did with benching everybody. And what's crazy is I have a homegirl who was at the game behind the bench in Washington. And she said that she saw Ty come up and say, Reggie, you're tired. Zub, you're tired. And uh, who was the other one they pulled out? Reggie, Zub. Morris? No, Morris wasn't playing. He's been out for personal reasons. Reggie, Zub, and like, might have been Serge. Somebody else, whatever. Like, you guys are tired. You're done, right? We want the kids to come in. And, you know, that could either be we're, we're on a back-to-back because we had Orlando the next day. It could have either been we're getting our ass kicked, starters, you know, we'll, we'll run this back tomorrow. Or it's Ty Lue being Ty Lue, like, all right, let's give the kids some reps, right? And Amir Coffey has another career night, 29 points. You know, we end up winning the, the freaking game, right, which is unbelievable in true dramatic fashion. And I was driving to Trader Joe's the next day, think, thought, thought we were going to record that day. So I was thinking about like what I wanted to say about the game and like get my emotions out because it was such a, such a great comeback, man. And we've done this two or three times this year. It's the second biggest comeback in NBA history, right? A comeback like this hasn't happened since, since 96. And it was a perfect storm, Drew. The perfect storm of the, the second unit of Amir Coffey and Terrence Mann and, and Hartenstein's back and now Jay Scrubs in the game. Justice Winslow had a huge game, um, for us at least a huge game. It was the perfect storm of these guys clicking, locking in, and, and never giving up, which is what we're known for, next man up. And then it was also the cataclysmic fucking failure of the Washington Wizards. It was the worst dog. The worst second half I'd ever seen. I said the first half of basketball, the Clippers, was horrible. That second half, dude, when they took the foot off the gas, they, it, it's Drew, and I know we have one Washington Wizards fans that listen to us. Shout out to Bastopia. But, yo, they were stuck on stupid for 20 minutes. I'm talking about missed defensive assignments. That five-second call from out oh of bounds. God. Kuzma. Right? It was Kuzma. It was Kuz on the five-second call. You can't do that. You can't. Uh, homie, I, I, I was laughing because I'm like, there is no way that, that they're going to get a five second violation. I'm looking at their head coach. Who's I can't remember happen. the last time I saw one of those be like happen in the NBA. I can't remember. And, and if you could see the way my hands are going, ref was calling it out, dude. And he get, gets to five. And it's like Kuzma doesn't even realize what's going on, <laughs> that that's a rule. Right. And so bad. it was so horrible. Um and, and then the last play with Luke, right? It's obvious he got fouled. He got fouled before he took the three-point shot. Dinwiddie and Kuzma both were reaching for him. But even Fratello said, like, look, I was watching the timeout and I was watching them go get into this play. And he said, in these moments, either your coach or Dinwiddie or Kuzma needs to look at the referee and say, hey, as soon as he touches that rock, I'm fouling, right? You got to let them know I'm fouling. And Fratello said, like, I didn't see any of that. So... It was the ref should have made the call. It should have been two free throws and whatnot for Luke, but they didn't. And shit happens like that. And Washington should not put themselves in a position to have the up 35 to have a referee not call a three and then foul on the three that hits. So tell me your tell me your thoughts about that game because I got a little more to say. But tell me tell me what you thought. 
Well, I mean, I think that 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 comeback was kind of indicative of what the Clippers have had to do in the last whatever couple weeks here. I mean, it, it started with that that Indiana game, and then you you but you won, and then the Denver game, you guys ended up come clawing back in that one. You didn't win it, lost by two. The comeback against Philadelphia, the next very next game, that which is pretty crazy that you ended up beating them by one point. You lose to the Knicks, and then you have that crazy Washington comeback, man. I just you know, having it first and foremost, it's nice. Thank you, Washington Wizards, for taking that title of giving up the largest lead away from the Lakers this year because we did that to Oklahoma City twice. But that was really nice. So that's no longer on the Lakers back. So thank you, Washington. Uh, but Luke Kennard, that shot <laughs> to win the game was unbelievable. And I don't want to belittle his shot because of what the wizards did it was a comedy of errors by the wizards and and it was barely basketball for the second half, second half of that game by the wizards but the big takeaway for me is amir coffee i mean yep. we thought that terrence mann was going to be the guy right this year for the clippers and he has not he has not taken that leap and i think you know maybe he's experiencing um what happened to him last year and more teams might be keying in on the stuff that he was getting away with easily. But I also think he's just not playing as good as he did last year for whatever reasons. And then you have Amir coffee stepping up in these games and scoring like crazy, like big numbers. The fact that you're still able to win games like this and then, and then you don't give up that like the, it's so easy to give up that game. And I 29, maybe 29 other teams in the NBA give up that lead. Mm -hmm. And or you know not give up the lead, but but give up that game in the third quarter, mm -hmm. and then it's the situation where uh, whatever like the Grizzlies, wh who was that? It was the Grizzlies beating up on Oklahoma City, beating by seventy four points yeah. or some shit like that. That's 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 what can happen. That's what can happen. Um, it the the grit. I think this 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 team, this Clippers team, has a lot of grit, and I think it's unfortunate that the news that I'm hearing about Paul George mm -hmm. is that this might, this might be a longer extended absence than we initially thought. Yeah, it might be, it might be. And again, like I was thinking about that today as well. There's a very good chance guys that, that Paul George doesn't play this season, right? There's a very good chance. So if these games, I'll put it this way, man, if these games like that Denver game, like the Indiana game, like uh, the Washington game, and not to mention the following day on the back-to-back, -back, we were down 14 to, to Orlando and yep. pulled out that game. If these are going to be the best games and the highlights of the season for us, then okay. Because like I've always said, like I want to take positives from negatives. And the positives like you just brought up was Amir, Amir Coffee. okay? Amir Coffee, who nobody talks about, the brewmaster. This guy's, I, I've said it a lot, is turning into a really great basketball player. And there's things that I notice about him. Um, one, his composure is great. He, there's no highs or lows. The guy doesn't celebrate, doesn't, doesn't get pissed. Uh, he, he makes very smart plays. He rarely makes mistakes. You know who makes mistakes? Brandon Boston Jr. and Terrence Mann because they're still young and they don't know what, you know, really trying to get their handle on the game and whatnot. And that's just what happens with young players. Not Amir. Amir's got a full bag. He's confident in his jumper. Um, he can Euro take it to the rack. He can, he can pass really well. And like you had said earlier, like we don't know why Terrence Mann isn't playing so great this year. I'll tell you why it's because things open up so much more when you have Kawhi and Paul, especially Paul George in the game. Right. And so Terrence is very active and athletic and, you know, he, Terrence Mann playing one-on-one -on -one is not the best, the best option for us, but Terrence Mann, you know, coming off a double screen and, and, you know, getting that pass under, yeah, cutting, playing his role that works really well. So they're trying to figure that out. The interesting thing, man, 
And I know a lot, not everybody that listens to our show is a Clipper fan, but I look at the end of the game. The five players that are 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 playing on this on the floor is Jay Scrub, Justice Winslow, Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, and Isaiah and and uh, Hardenstein. Uh, I think Hardenstein was the last was the fifth. No, Luke. Luke is the fifth. So, and then you know most teams, most players that get benched during a game, starters are going to be really pissed off. They're on a tantrum on the bench, and you know I love watching the bench on plays and seeing like how they're cheering and whatnot. Every player, Reggie, Serge, everybody's engaged on the bench. It was just a really big win for us, and we don't talk about Ty Lue enough, man. If this was Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, you would have to pull his teeth out before he pulls his starters out of games like that. And Ty Lue just knows when it's time to either let it go or just, you know, give the give this kid a shot. And you need reps, right? Amir Coffey, you need reps to become a good basketball player in the NBA. Every, after every single game, if you ask Ty Lue how did Luke Kennard play, he will always say he didn't take enough shots, doesn't shoot enough, isn't shooting enough, right? And we've said that kind of the whole season that – Luke has the green light, yo. Like, he has the green light. And I think that play was specifically for him to, to get that bucket. And, and I can't believe he hit that shot. So when I say top three moments, fighting back from 35 in a game in January, right, against a team that, you know, should have won the game. But I also don't think it was like the Clippers outstanding. We play, even though we scored 80 points in the second half. It was a meltdown. It was a complete meltdown from Washington. And the the verbal ass kicking that the that the coach should have done to those dudes in the locker room, bro. I mean, come on. What do you say, bro? There I don't know. I don't know, right? Like I I have um luckily <laughs> I haven't had a, a like a meltdown like that like as a player. Uh, you know, even in my limited playing career, I have been blown out before. Like we've, I've definitely lost the game by a lot of points, and that's that's a different feeling, right? Than it is a very different feeling than we were up by thirty five and then lost the game. So I don't, I don't know as a coach, especially. I mean, it's a long season, so maybe you just, maybe, maybe this is one of those ones where you just say, "Fuck it," like we're just going to move forward. Uh, but certainly, a lot of coaching moments uh, for Wes Unseld Jr. to to have to take away from that one. Uh, I mean, the Wizards, that's the weird part about this Wizards team. And, and I think they've definitely come back down to earth from that, like a really hot start uh, with their with the relatively easy schedule that they had to start the season as well. I mean, they're now in the 10 seed uh, and they're below the Toronto Raptors, who have been you know rel- coming on relatively strong recently. Uh, and, they, you know, just what was it? a month month ago that they were in the you know four or five seed or we the three shocked. seed right yeah and so i just think it's one of those one of those unfortunate circumstances for the wizards where they can't seem to um to get back to that form that they were in to start the season um and you know with that loss they they also beat the sixers which is weird but you know that loss is one two three four losses in a row for the wizards and I just don't see I don't see it getting any better. They got they got Memphis on Saturday, and I don't think they're going to win that game. Kuzma so also it, it missed is, two two free throws in the clutch too. By the way, mm-hmm. two two in a row in the clutch. Exactly. Uh, so I I'm surprised that they've that it's gone like peaks and valleys that drastically for this Washington team. But I am not surprised that they are where they are. I mean, it we we were all complimentary of how good they were, but everyone everyone really seems like they're they're back down to their to to where their averages would be as players um except for Bradley Beal who is who is underperforming this year in comparison to how he's played over the last couple seasons offensively speaking um 
but yeah, I, 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 I would not want to be in the locker room after that kind of a game. Uh, if I'm, if I'm a basketball player for Washington wizards, that would have sucked. But it, it means, I mean, man, when your team, when you don't have your two stars and you basically have a team full of second guys, third guys, fourth guys, and we're pulling it out and winning, uh, it's not just the players. It is the coaching that's involved in this, right? And it's the preparation and Ty Lue. So as a fan, like, it makes me very happy and I'm very excited. Uh, it, 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 I don't like the fact that this happens too much. I hate the fact that, you know, we're down 25 a lot in these games. Mm-hmm. And we, the, the the funny thing is, is it seems that we go to, down 25 with our starters, with our guys, right? And not to mention, like, Marcus Morris hasn't played the last three games, personal reasons, and he's not playing tonight against Miami. Um, and we've been on this – this is a 15-day road trip. It's our longest road trip of the season. So as a Clipper fan, it just makes me very happy. And then, you know, I'm, I tend to jinx everything. So tonight, like, the Miami Heat might blow us out by 48. Who knows? Um but I think it's all about getting the reps, and uh, I, I really want Paul George to come back. I think they're they haven't said he's going to do surgery. They want to wait another like week or two to see if all of this rest is going to be paying off. But I think we will get Kawhi back, dog. So, okay, so say we get Kawhi back, that's still a playoff push for us. I think we can do it. We're sitting at that seven spot as long as we can stay like seven, eight, six, seven, eight, if we can. Um, I'm not giving up on this season yet, dude. I'm not giving up on these boys. But anyways, I went to Luke's page. I said it's the third biggest moment in Clipper history, which is sad against the Washington Wizards in a game in January. And so people ask, like, what are the two best Clipper moments of all time? So number two is playoff game game seven last year against Utah. The, just the comeback from 26 that we came back in Utah, that crazy game to go to the Western Conference, fi- the, uh, Western Conference Finals. Um, and then the number one greatest moment of all time is Chris Paul bank shot game seven, San Antonio Spurs first round. I was there craziest. One of the craziest days of my life. Uh, uh, close fourth is the Memphis playoff comeback down 25 in that game. Crazy game. Shout out to Nick Swaggy P young for getting us back into that game. All right. Enough about the Clippers. Drew, take us on a trip around the NBA. A couple things going on. I know you have a couple concerns with a few teams. Let's break that down real quick. So the first one that comes to mind is Chicago, um, a team that we've talked a lot about, I think, on this podcast overall, and we probably should talk more about them. But they have had a very rough road uh, since the COVID outbreak happened, really. I mean, they lost all their players, pretty much all their players to COVID. Then as players start coming back, uh, they lose Levine to a knee sprain. He is back in now. I think he's played the last two games. He's looking back to normal. And then, but what happens after Levine goes out, Lonzo's out with a torn meniscus, going to be out six to eight weeks. Uh, Derek Jones and Javante Green were out as well. And then Caruso recently going up against the Bucks for a layup, uh, gets the Grayson Allen treatment. Can we talk uh, about that for a minute? Yeah, sure. So I did a poll on our page and it was like 90 to 10% that everybody thought it was a, it was a flagrant foul. I, for whatever reason, you guys could judge me. I thought it was a hard foul. I thought he was going for the ball. I didn't think it was flagrant. I think a lot of these guys like Grayson Allen, who plays his ass off and is known for a dirty player. I'm not saying he's not a dirty player. Uh, I just, I think a lot of it has to do with how you fall too. And so I, I understand why I was a flagrant, but I didn't really think it was like an intentional flagrant foul. Yeah, that was one of those instances where I think the fall right? Like really played into like, it was a really bad fall and that can happen, right? There was a moment against the Lakers, THT. um, I'm trying to remember which game it was now, dude. I watched so many freaking Laker games, but there was a moment where THT went up 
against somebody uh, that they were playing against and had a very similar kind of like went for the ball, but the legs got taken out of the guy that was going up for the layup. And he landed really, really bad, but it wasn't a foul because THT got all ball. And so they called, they ended up calling like a jump ball, I think. Um, but it's those big falls that Caruso took a very, very big fall because of the momentum of both players. Um, and it was a dangerous play. I mean, so in, in today's NBA, it's definitely a fucking flagrant foul. Like when you, right. as soon as you see it, you're just like, yeah, it's a flagrant. Like there's no doubt about it. <laughs> um, and then when you slow it down, then you see like the second hand come in from Grayson. I, I honestly think he was trying to make a play on the ball. I don't me, think his intention too. was to hurt Caruso. Mm. So from that angle, I think, uh, Going back to like when LeBron punched Isaiah Stewart in the in the in the mouth, I think that one had more intent than Grayson Allen's right. did on Caruso. It just so happened to be like a really just they were both kind of going the same direction and then met at the top and kind of did a little spin. And that's very scary, right? Very, very scary moment for both guys, but mostly for Caruso, who's like uh, has no control about how he's gonna land. Then he ends up fracturing his wrist uh in that in that play stays in the game makes one free throw misses one free throw hits a three goes to the sideline and like uh you know he might not come back tapes it up he plays the whole second half clips he plays the whole second half with a broken wrist shout out to fucking caruso yeah. god damn i missed that guy i see fresh guy ac i missed that guy he would be the the favorite on the lakers right now like it would be, it would be, I think he's still fresh, the favorite. I think he's LeBron. on the Bulls. He's still the, he's still the favorite and he's not on the Lakers anymore. Like that's how much this fan base loves Alex Caruso. Uh, but I think the big thing here now for the Bulls, right? Levine's back. DeRozan's still good. Vucevic is fine. It's what else can they put on the court with those guys who can step up and play? But more importantly, who can step up and play defense? Mm. Um, and without Lonzo and Caruso for the next possibly two months or more. I really think that this team might slide and lose some games. We're already seeing them lose a couple games. I mean, they're they're no longer in the one seed. Uh, Miami has uh, taken that leap and now is is the one seed. And we'll talk about them in a second. But um, Chicago, that uh, I, I was, I think I was listening to uh, Windhorse. Brian Windhorse was on Simmons, and he said that the ESPN model says that there's a there's a significant chance based on who's out for the Bulls and the rest of their schedule that they could drop to outside of mm. home court advantage for the playoffs in this next little run, mostly because Lonzo and Caruso on the defensive end are so impactful and important to the team. So I think that's going to be the really like really interesting thing that the, the Bulls are going to have to go through. And, you know, they have Kobe White who can pop in and, and help out. And they've had other players in these moments that have stepped up and, and played well, including uh, the guy Cook, Tyler Cook, who was playing against Milwaukee in that game and guarding Giannis, this kid that no one's ever heard of and was doing great. So I still think that they have a chance. And, and Ayo Desumnu, who's a guy that Spencer Davies loves a lot and was talking about a little bit when we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. So it's like, can Ayo Desumnu, the, the, the rookie, and and then, uh, you know, like a compilation of Kobe White and Troy Brown Jr., <laughs> uh, Matt Thomas, can those guys play solid enough defense? Because offensively, I think they're going to be okay. The, the, those list of players, they should be fine. They're going to get open looks. But what is going to happen next? I, I truly think they're going to lose some games. And when we look at the schedule that's coming up for them, they really only have Philly and Phoenix as teams that are 
significantly good with winning records. So maybe they will, maybe based on that, maybe they will actually survive this without being scathed too much, but I, it's going to be tough. I think that, that that's, that's something I'm going to watch for. Yeah. Alonzo is a big loss for them right now. Right. Simple, simple as that. And Caruso as well. If it's two months, man, it's a long time. It's a lot of weight. That's going to be on, on Zach and, and Demar uh, and Vooch for that matter. So mm. we'll see how that goes. What else you got? So Miami was the next team that that I that I was just talking about. They they are now in the one seed. Unbelievably, uh, PJ Tucker is somebody I need to bring up because for whatever reason, um, when he left Houston, he left his jump shot in 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 Houston and it did not travel to Milwaukee. Right? We know that he had so many open looks in that in those playoff games in that final series, and and he was just not hitting anything. He's leading the NBA in, in three point percentage this year. PJ Tucker is forty six. PJ Tucker, really forty six percent, and he is back to his old corner three PJ Tucker like we've seen in the past. The reason I'm bringing up the Heat also and and PJ Tucker in this in this sense is because. Lowry, Hero, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler have only played 14 games together this mm. entire season. And yet here they stand, 31 and 17, best record in the Eastern Conference. Impressive. Very impressive. So, so impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that also includes uh, no Victor Oladipo, who who might actually be on his on his way back soon. Who knows? He's still in the NBA? I know. I hard to believe, <laughs> but he's sitting on the bench in Miami. He's probably loving life. Uh, Duncan Robinson has not had the season that he had in the last couple, but he's starting to catch fire a little bit, but it's like they're starting Gabe Vincent at point guard. A lot of these games and that guy's contribution is tremendous. I just, you know, we've talked at times on this podcast in the past about like team culture and like who can withstand potentially losing a star, right? Like when the Clippers lose a star, like Kawhi Leonard, or when they lose Paul George or when the Lakers are out of Anthony Davis, like, how do you sustain that? Um, and the Miami Heat are showing us exactly how that's done. I mean, and Jimmy coaching, Butler, Drew, and coaching. Yeah, but, but that's that's kind of what I'm getting to is mm. like the only way to understand how that's working is like the next next man up mentality has to be instilled. But then you also have to have as a coach the confidence to let Max Struess go out there and play to give Gabe Vincent the ball to start a game, even though he went to UCSB and was probably didn't even think he was going to ever start an NBA game in his life. Um, and it's just pretty tremendous to see all of this come together. Yurt seven, they're, they're center. Like Yurt, Yurt they seven. found what a diamond in the rough he is, huh? I mean, yeah, I he he's yeah he's the tallest diamond in the rough I've ever seen in my life. The guy's a, a ginormous human. He can being. play though, dude. He's got some skills, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he went to Georgetown. I, if my memory serves, I think he was a Georgetown kid. So I just the the entire Miami Heat system from top to top to bottom, Pat Riley, the whole front office, Spolstra, of course. Uh, and then these guys that are just not scared when they're getting out there. They're, they're taking their chances. I mean, Dwayne Dedman <laughs> still still playing well. And, and Tyler Hero is still averaging 20 points a game that like we thought. And to me, he's only started 10 games, is definitely the sixth man of the year. And, it, and it's weird that because Bam and Jimmy and Kyle and all these guys have been out, they're not going to be represented well in the all-star game but i think it's 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 like the team should be the all-star if you know what i'm saying like everyone deserves a little piece of that all-star you know back to tyler real quick though you say six man of the year which could definitely happen but also we were talking about him for most improved player of the year because he had such a shitty year last year after Mm -hmm. coming off a great you know rookie season the sophomore slump was the real deal and now that dude can play man so you're right it is it's a shock even you know on this podcast like 
one week or two weeks, we'll just be all in on Milwaukee. And then it's like, oh, shit, now Kyrie's back. We're all in in Brooklyn. And then, you know, Chicago was great for a minute there. And now we got Miami sitting at number one, second best record in the NBA, best record in the East. Uh, it's it's pretty impressive at full at full strength. They should be like something to really be scared of if you're in the East. Well, and I think that's the interesting part for them is now that they've gone through all of that. It's really just Lowry that they need back. So now, like, unless Jimmy just Jimmy Butler just can't get it right this year. He every time he plays like three games, something is tweaked. Mm-hmm. But Bam surgery went well, and he's good, so he should be back fully ready to go. Jimmy should be ramping up, being ready to fully go for the rest, like the second half of the season. And when they get Lowry back, now guess who's a much more confident and capable backup point guard to Lowry is Gabe Vincent. Like so, everything just gets stronger in these. Or moments. Oladipo, if that comes back, if that happens, exactly, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, so I just. I think there's a real chance that this is like a launching point for Miami, unless, of course, there is some some other injury problems that happens that we don't know about yet. But uh, really tremendous job from them. I think they're, they're they're going to be a very tough team to go against in the playoffs, whatever seed that they get. So the next team, I mean, the, the, keep, the, the Cavs keep winning. They're in they're in the they're three fifth seed. in the power rankings as of today. They're top five in the power rankings today. They they are they are still like befuddling to everybody that sees them. Um, I I love I love watching the Cavs play as much. I, I don't we don't get to watch them that often, but as much as I can, I try to watch them play. Uh, we don't have much. We've already gone deep on. No, it's on actually really quick though. Like Stephen A said, or some it wasn't Stephen A. Stephen A was repeating what somebody else had suggested that like yo. If they had LeBron right now, they could win the title. Like if LeBron goes back – now there's rumors that LeBron goes back to Cleveland for a third time, which I just cannot see happening for, for legacy purposes. Like you cannot leave the Lakers and go back to Cleveland. Like you just can't do that. I mean, he probably could because like Cleveland's where he's from and whatnot. But I think it's very valid. If LeBron was on that team, like, yeah, they could probably win the title. That, sure. I mean, there's a chance. But – the only way LeBron gets back there is is through a trade, mm. and that means that we're taking Garland and Mobley and mm. Jared Allen, right? So like then then he's in, then he's essentially in the same exact spot in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or whatever right. they have there. Exactly. We're taking all yeah. of it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take that. Yeah, bring that over too. Um, so I I have some stuff about the Nets, but I think I'm going to save that for my final thought. Cool. The the next two teams are Philly and Milwaukee, and those teams are just really hampered with inconsistency um, outside of their superstars, right? Embiid and Giannis are tremendous and they've been very, very good. And Embiid's run of 35 and 10, the longest run of 35 and 10 games since Shaquille O'Neal was in his heyday. Um, So Embiid Embiid is so nice, dude. Mm -hmm. He is so nice. Talk about somebody that's really worked on their game, right? You've seen a big man move like that. With his little his little crossover jump, his little dirt, his little dirt fadeaway. He's got a great touch around the rim. He's fucking gigantic too, dude. Absolutely gigantic. And the window's closing for them. He needs somebody. And I, I blame Ben Simmons. I really do. I blame you, Ben Simmons, because this is your only opportunity to win a title right now is with this guy. And I think they have the supporting pieces, right? I mean, Thibel's good and, and Toby and Maxie's turning into quite the player. But damn, man. Damn, like you, I just want to see him do good. Yeah, and it, I mean, he has been doing well. And it, I, the the thing about it, and why I'm going this this far down the list, is because the one seed in the East, all the way down to the sixth seed, is only separated by two games. Mm-hmm. 
So as much as we can say that Miami is the one seed and, and how great they're looking in a matter of four to five days, that could look entirely different. And we could see Miami down at the six and Milwaukee or Philadelphia up at the one, right? So like, it's just a very fluid situation in the top of the East. Uh, but to your point, Embiid's performance really since he came back from COVID has been absolutely outstanding. And I, you know, outside of Jokic, I don't think there's another player that is matching what Embiid is doing out there. Uh, I, LeBron is as from a, like a statistical standpoint, but not from like a winning perspective. So I think, you know, as especially with Steph Curry's woes, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, and LeBron are like, at this point, those guys and, and DeMar, we can throw DeMar in. And Amir, uh, and Amir Coffee in a, in a close sixth, right? Amir Coffee is right there, <laughs> neck and neck. With Giannis. Uh, with KD. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just, it is, it's a, it's a very interesting part of the season. It's a very exciting part of the season because really every game matters for those six teams. Like, and, and it's rare in an NBA middle of the NBA season where every game kind of matters, right? Cause there's, this is where the separation will happen. Like we'll have all-star break and then someone will drop out and someone. Oh no, COVID's happening after the all-star break. Teams well, are going to be affected. Right. Well, I mean, maybe Miami won't be affected because they won't have anybody in the all-star game. So maybe they will skyrocket beyond everybody else and create that gap. But I, at this point, I am waiting for one of these teams to click and then really take off. And I don't think it's going to be the Nets because they're out for, a, you know, KD out for a while and Kyrie's situation. I just don't. And Harden's I, upset. Shocking. Harden wants out already. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's really all I have for the Eastern Conference. Charlotte is doing well. Boston's fine. Toronto's coming on pretty good. Everything else is pretty normal and, and status quo. Uh, there is one side note about Philadelphia Clips, and, and it, we both got to – the Clippers and Lakers both played Philly recently. And I'm looking at Furkan Korkmaz, mm, cork. right? And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, man, this guy, you know, he, he looks – he reminds me of somebody. And I'm like, who who is it, right? And I'm looking at his face, and – and then it hits me. I was like, there's a stand-up comedian clips. And I don't know if you're familiar with this guy. His name is Chris Delia. Do you know who Chris Delia is? Yeah, Chris Delia. Comedian? Yeah. Yeah. What was he in? I know that he was in a lot of stuff. He was in a... He's been in shows like Whitney. I think he was in that one sitcom with uh, Whitney Cummings. And But he's a stand-up comedian. That's mostly what he's known for is, is, is a stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. And for all of those listening and also for you clips, please Google Chris Delia. And it's, it's spelled D-Poshrafee-E-L-I-A, I believe, Delia. And Furkan Korkmaz. They are the same guy. <laughs> they, they look identical. So that's my little nugget like that. Um, on, on the Philadelphia uh, uh, Sniper. Um, cork moss random thought of the day and then okay so when we go to the, the western conference golden state and utah are struggling right now uh utah has been has been dealing with the donovan mitchell concussion stuff uh but they in their last 10 games are two and eight mm. utah is and so they've dropped out of the four seed memphis has leapfrogged them golden state in the last 10 games are six and four which is not great because Memphis, Dallas, and Denver are all seven and three in their last 10. So that's been interesting. And I think a lot of that is stemming from something that we've talked about uh, with Steph Curry's shooting woes and everyone just adjusting to Clay being back while Draymond Green is out. So we don't need to beat that down. You know, that's, that's exactly that, what it is. That's just yeah. what it is. It's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, at any point in time, Steph could snap out of this little slump and then be the guy that we all expect him to be and know him to be as far as like 
when when Steph catches a wide open catch and shoot three, like most of the time we're just like that's in. And yeah. for him, that's most of the time that's in. Right now, it's it's not always going in. So it's a weird moment for Steph, and they're still adjusting to all that. So I think they'll bounce back as soon as Draymond Green um, touches the floor again, which is you know might be a while well because now he, he signed with turner now too so he's got a tv deal what, what's the first pl- active player that signs a tv deal isn't that a little odd yeah you know i don't know if i i'm trying to remember if that's happened before didn't iggy do it but iggy was it was like during the playoffs and iggy wasn't even in, in i think d wade did it when they weren't in the playoffs but like actively has a deal yeah. with turner so like on off nights when they're not playing he's going to be in atlanta for nba on tnt yeah, and you know, I I kudos to Draymond first and foremost. I think that's great, and I think he's going to do great there. And I think that's that's who they're going to replace Charles Barkley with when when Charles decides to hang it up. Mm. Uh, when Charles says, you know, sayonara, because uh, Kenny the Jet's never giving that up. That's the only thing he has going in his life. So Kenny's going to be there forever. He's going to be eighty five, and they're going to be like, uh, Kenny, run up to the board. I bet I can beat you, and he'll fall and break a hip. But Chuck is is probably I would say he's probably got a whatever four or five six maybe ten years left uh, at the most at doing this and I think Draymond is definitely the guy that they're going to replace him with so shouts to him I think he's doing great um, and I think you know this is something that he wants he has a podcast by the way which is a recent podcast that he put out um, I think yeah, his show's called- great too where they play all the dominoes and like he's got everybody there I think it's great yeah and uh, so his podcast is just called the Draymond the the Draymond Green Show um, clever. And- yeah, very original name. And uh, so I think it's a it's a great step for him personally. I don't know how it's going to affect his, you know, relationships with players around the league that he'll have to start talking about, right? As being a player, like he's going to have to go at somebody that messes up. You know what I mean? Like what, what happens then when Draymond Green is analyzing a, a Toronto and Chicago game and he calls out, DeMar DeRozan, mm-hmm. right? Like that's going to be a very weird moment. Yeah, don't you think it's a conflict, conflict of interest anyway? Like, yeah, even and with he'll never own... say anything negative about the Warriors, right? right. Like, so that's right. <laughs> you know what? What I, I personally, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what that'll do if it if it will impact his relationship with other players around the league or his status within the team. Like, do do you think uh, Steph and Clay and the rest will think that this is like a selfish thing? where Draymond needs to probably be working on his three-point shot. If we're being honest, he probably shouldn't be flying to Atlanta when he should be standing there and catch and shoot threes. Yeah, like, is Draymond going to critique somebody else's three-point shooting? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's come not on great. now. It's not great, right? <laughs> that's, not a, that's, a, that's a tough road to hoe for Draymond Green. So anyway, I think uh, the Warriors will bounce back, but I do think this is like a great time for all these other teams to really catch up to them, right? Like Memphis is hot on the heels in the three seed at 33 and 17. The Warriors are 36 and 13. Um, And they've had the every win that they've gotten in the last couple of weeks has been a grind it out win. I mean, I can't remember one that was like a real big blowout and and maybe I'm missing one in my memory. But uh, the big thing for me is that is the Warriors and the Jazz are slipping. And Memphis, Dallas, and Denver are all kind of surging right now. So I'm, I'm interested to see how this all plays out in these next couple of weeks before we get that break. And then at least by the end of the All-Star break, you have to imagine that Draymond Green should be back or at least close to back. And then the Warriors will, will kind of pick up where they left off when he, when he exited. Final thoughts? Uh, the Nets at this point in time are 29-19 and 19 in the four seed, as I mentioned earlier. Let's see. In the last 10, they are four and six, and they have a three-game losing streak right now. 
the reason I'm bringing up the Nets is because I do think, just like I talked about with the Bulls, uh, the impact of not having key players is going to be really uh, detrimental to this team. And obviously, there's no bigger player for the Nets than Kevin Durant. Pretty much how this team has gone has been based on his shoulder, like his success on his shoulders, including last year's playoffs when Harden was out with a hamstring and Kyrie was out with whatever, the knee or the ankle, whatever that was. Um, and without him, this team is is kind of like just reverted into a really terrible version of James Harden on the Rockets. Yep. Uh, and it's something we've touched on a couple times, but it's just I don't see <laughs> – unless they can figure out a way to get um, some other players in there, like not Kevin Durant and not Kyrie Irving, some other <laughs> solid players that can come in and, and do a job for them. Uh, I don't see getting better until Kevin Durant can step foot back on the court. Um, and I think that might take a while uh, for that to actually be a realistic vision here because they want to be, extra cautious with Kevin Durant and not force him back before he should in case he gets some sort of other cataclysmic type of injury. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because it actually feels a little bit like what the Lakers are going through. And to me, it's been a, a very interesting how the Lakers and Nets have mirrored each other throughout this entire season at times and, and at other times, not so much, but uh, uh, especially in this instance, like both the Lakers and Nets geared up for this three man juggernaut. Right. And it's at this point, it's pretty clear that neither of them have worked out the way that they first envisioned it. Right. Uh, the Lakers, we we beat that into the ground. We know what's going wrong with them. But with the Nets, it was looking OK with James Harden and Kevin Durant getting their mojo. And then you had your, your kind of your role guys that were stepping up and, uh, and then Kyrie pops in and out of the lineup. And it's really weird. And I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, but it's not working right now simply because Kevin Durant is injured. But the other mirror similarity between the Lakers and the Nets is that while they went for those three juggernaut players on each team, they did a terrible job building around them, both the Lakers and the Nets. And I think that to me is going to be the most decisive aspect of whether or not the Lakers and the Nets have the success that they hope for. I think the Lakers, it's already pretty clear that we're not going to be the team that, that everyone thought there was a chance that we would be at the beginning of the season. The Nets still have that capability. They are still sitting in the four seed with a good record. Um, but they, they really missed on, on Millsap, who is now available for anybody who wants him. And Patty Mills has been really good at times and then not great at times. Blake Griffin is just uh, done now, I guess. He's, he should retire. Uh, and LaMarcus Aldridge has been good for them, but he can't play in all the games because he's just too slow at times or too big. Claxton has been underwhelming. Um, you know, the, the list is long of the players that they have, and, and, and it shows that they don't trust those guys that I'm talking about because they're starting rookies, Kessler Edwards, a second-round draft pick from Pepperdine, and they're starting De'Ron Sharp. Uh, you know, their first round pick and Cam Thomas has been playing a lot. So it's like, it's just amazing to me that both the Nets and the Lakers have these three guys that are unbelievable. And then it's like Austin Reeves and Dayron Sharp and Kessler Edwards, uh, you know, Wayne Ellington. Young, the, yeah. Well, no, I was kind of going with the younger thing, like right. Malik Monk, like these younger guys that, that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be getting minutes over the veterans that this team, these teams have brought in 
are the are the ones that are most impactful. And it just shows that sometimes when you take a swing, you you can miss pretty big. And I think both uh, rosters have been constructed pretty poorly, honestly. I think everything you're saying is spot on. All those players that you're mentioning, the Patty Millses, the Cam Thomases, the Malik Monks, all those guys are great pieces to have on your team when you have your superstars, right? Like when you have LeBron, Westbrook, and AD all playing together, you got Kyrie, KD, and and Harden playing. Yeah, uh, Blake Griffin can give you a good, really, really good seven minutes. LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, of course. But when they're your focus points – Nah, like it's it's just not going to work. And I think what you said about the Bulls is exactly what's going to happen uh, with the Nets, maybe even worse, right? Because now now we're at this point where shit. If AD's if if uh, KD's out another, what are they thinking? Like another month at least, right? Yeah, it's definitely until the All Star break for Kevin Durant, and possibly a couple of weeks after that. And then supposedly James Harden has has a hamstring issue uh, that he's dealing with right now. So who knows? I think they have the, the the potential to drop too. And again, like, so is Kyrie in the lineup this game? Is Kyrie not in the lineup this game? What are we doing? So everything you're saying is right, Drew. I think all those guys are pieces. I'd love to have, it, it's kind of like, and I, I go back to the Clippers, but like you got to have players that you can depend on that can get, get you buckets and score, right? The Marcus Morrises, he may not be your, your first your first pick on your team, but if he's all we got right now, at least we got Marcus Morris, right? At least we got Nico Batum. At least we got some of these Reggie Jacksons, these guys that can actually play and like get you buckets. So you're right, Drew. And look, we, we knew that this was going to be a weird season, right? We knew like COVID was going to take its toll on a lot of teams. Injuries always happen. And now we're at this point where it's like, fuck, KD's got to come back and be Superman now. Because if, if, if in a month and a half, they're sitting in the seventh seed, which could which could totally happen or eighth seed uh, over the next month. I mean, it's a, it's gonna, they're going to have to claw back. They're going to have to really claw. And same thing. Look, man, Lakers are ninth. It can't get any worse for the rest of the season. Right. Uh, I mean, luckily for the Lakers, the, the 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 Trailblazers are like four and a half games behind us in the ten, so it feels comfortable. Like we're not going to entirely miss the play in. Uh, so at least at the very least, it should be nine. No, no worse than that, which is terrible to even like like come to the reality that that's most likely where we're going to be. It's a tough spot. Um, but back to the Nets, and then I'll and then we'll turn it over to you for your final thoughts. The bigger picture for me, and part of the reason I wanted this uh, in the final thoughts is let's just say Kevin Durant, Harden, Kyrie, they figure it all out and everyone's available, right? Like they just pay the fines, which is something that has been brought up. Like it's not like Kyrie's going to get arrested for playing. Just, the, you know, they're, they're going to catch a fine for Kyrie doing something that he's not allowed to do. And they can just pay that. And it's like if they did that for the rest of the season, it's like a hundred grand. Okay, why you're paying Kyrie $40 million. Like, I thought what? it was $68,000 a game was the fine. I thought that's mm -hmm. what it was. No, no, it's not that high. It, from from the city, and maybe maybe the, the NBA has their own mm. their own separate finding that they would be doing for that. Uh, but from the city, it's not that high. Um, but anyway, the, the the point that I'm getting to is like, let's just say everyone's back for the entire roster. They don't change anything. Uh, maybe there'll be a buyout guy for them that they can snag if they want to let go of Millsap and 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 let go of Blake Griffin. Maybe they can fill the roster with two other people that are good. But the bigger picture for me is like even when it's all good, who can they have on their team to stop any big man? And the league is pretty full of some good ones, including Giannis and Embiid, two guys we just talked about. The Nets have zero answer for any 
in any form or frame for Embiid or Giannis. Zero. They they barely. I'm my guess is that they would barely be able to handle Vucevic, right? <laughs> right? right. Um, and then of course, like the most likely, uh, they're going to have to go through either Giannis or Embiid, maybe both of them, in order to get to the, the 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 actual finals. And then when that happens, they could be looking at playing Jokic or playing Gobert or playing Aiton. Oh yeah, you're playing, in trouble. You're you know, in like there's. Right. And and that's what something that we talked about when the James Harden trade happened last year is like, OK, can they just outscore teams? Like, can is that something they can do? And maybe it is. Maybe they'll just run and gun and they'll just say, fuck it, like Embiid go for 50 because Kevin Durant's going to go for 50 and James Harden's going to go for 35. Mm-hmm. Right. Like maybe that's just the answer. But to me, that's the bigger problem is like they they need to be looking to uh, shore up that front court for them and you know, Nick Claxton's not going to cut it. LaMarcus Aldridge is going to give you good minutes. He can't cut it for the entire game. Dayron, Dayron Sharp is good body. I like his, I actually kind of like his tools and I totally get why they drafted him, but he's not there yet. Uh, he's got six fouls, so that'll help. But outside of that, dude, then you're looking at Blake Griffin, who they don't even trust to play against fucking Orlando. You know, they, <laughs> that's not. God, that's not so great. sad, man. Don't do that. They, were, they, they posted a picture when, when Brooklyn played the Lakers, and it was like Blake and DJ talking at half court. And they're like, this is where we're at now. Like, these guys can't even get into the game. Blake and DJ can't even get into the game now. Like, they're getting lost on the bench. Exactly. exactly. So to, to end it, uh-huh. and I think the actual thought itself, I'll, I'll say it now because I've been all over the place with the Nets. But <laughs> Say it, Drew. The, the, the final thought is this. The Nets, I don't think they'll be able to win a championship this year unless they answer the problem of Kyrie's thing, unless they figure out Kyrie's thing. And then they also add somebody that can, you know, I don't at least body up a little bit uh, Giannis or Embiid. And maybe Kevin Durant's the one that goes, I'll take on Giannis, right? I'll Mm. do it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll be the one that tries to go head to head with Giannis. Maybe they do that. Mm. He can't do that against Embiid. He can't, he's just too small to do that against Embiid. So they just don't have it. And I think they need it. Well, you're going to you're going to lose James Harden in free agency now, right? So most likely you're going to lose James Harden. You're not going to get a piece for him. You could probably get something right now like is Ben Simmons the answer? Are we going to do this again? And then again, yeah, you got to figure out Kyrie. That's why KD is there. KD came to play with Kyrie, like to play with Kyrie. And I think go ahead. Real quick, I think the I think the like the reality of a James Harden Ben Simmons trade is is much more in focus than it was ever before. And I think the way that it could work is if it's not just Ben Simmons, but it's Ben Simmons and Drummond for James Harden. Mm. Then you get your center who Mm. can body. And then you get Simmons who can still do what Harden does as far as facilitating, right? He can do that. And he's a significantly better defender than James Harden is. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, that one would work. Uh, for both teams, I think, honestly, except for the fact that I don't think James Harden would love to play with Embiid, and I don't think Embiid would love to play with James Harden. I, that's just another conversation because it doesn't seem like that matters that much. I don't, and we don't care about Ben Simmons anymore. Can we just figure this out? Right. Figure it out, guys. Right. Um, I'm not going to keep, again, for two weeks in a row, I'm not going to keep my final thought basketball. I wanted to, I, you know, I brought up Ozark last week, which I, I killed in one sitting. Yeah. Very happy with it. Seven episodes. We got, we don't know when the second part's coming out. But look, I was talking to this girl the other day. And what I, I like to, when, when I'm talking to girls, I like to ask, you know, so what do you watch? What are you watching right now? 
She's like, Ooh, I'm watching. Very smooth. That? Well, you know, because everybody watches something, right? That's right. Most, you ask them what their sign is. No, I don't say that. In, then you slide into the Netflix. Like, yo, what's your moon, baby? Like, no, <laughs> I just want to know what, like, <laughs> yo, what are you watching on Netflix right now? She's like, Archive 81. And I've never heard of this. Haven't seen it in my queue. Haven't done in in randomly i came home that night took a shower ate dinner it was like six o'clock at night and i saw it in the queue i'm like archive 81 all right i'm gonna peep it out yo dude eight hours later i stayed up for the whole se- i binged it from 6 p.m till 2 like 30 in the morning okay? oh my god i was so into it and i thought it was so good that I got to ep- episode seven and I'm tired, yo. Like I am tired. It's it's one fifteen. I I got you know I got shit to do the next day, but you can't do seven straight episodes and then the season finale. You know, just wait till tomorrow to watch it. Nah. So I binged the whole series. I thought it was great. If any of you are into like multi universe mystery type shit, this was good. I loved it. I think there's going to be a second season. Um, and since I've, I, I know I haven't told everybody, I have a very bad knee right now. I don't know what's going on with it. It's been a month, so I'm not doing a lot of active stuff. So I'm spending a lot of time on my computer doing my work and watching, and I really enjoyed it. So it is clips approved. Throw that shit in your queue. Drew's almost done with, with Ozark, right? Right now. Oh yeah. You're yeah, about I'm halfway through. It's halfway it's- through. I got to pay shout out to air mag who, who hit us up during this episode that said, yo, watching Ozark right now. So <laughs> and, and if you haven't watched Ozark at all, start it. Just don't watch it with your children, okay? Oh, no, it's a fantastic show. If so you haven't started watching that, you're living under a rock. I don't, Marty I don't Bird know. is my hero, dude. Marty Bird is my hero. He's a genius. He is a genius. Archive 81, check it out. Uh, put in your prize picks. Uh, DM Drew for his picks because he's obviously the only one winning around here because I'm not winning. Uh, hit him up. Let him know who I'm you're crushing taking. It. You are crushing it, Drew. Uh, we got some good announcements coming in the next couple of weeks. Drew, you might see Drew and Drew and Clips in the, in the streets here soon. So, anyways, we'll be back next week. So follow through with Clips and Drew, and we are Ghost Mamba forever. You know what it is, you know January twenty sixth.